Welcome to Bandcamp. My name is Dan. And I'm Jennifer. And this is the podcast where we read banned books to try to find out why they were banned in the first place. This season we are reading Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, one section at a time, out loud. This is getting really good. The last section we read in the last episode, two things happened. Number one, we were introduced to a new character named Faber. He was an old English professor. Yeah, he's the man that he met in the park. So the only other person other than Clarice that he could have a conversation with. But the big thing is what happened. Montag did not go into work to the fire station. Instead, he did this dick thing. So he pulled, he stands up on a chair. He opens up the air conditioning vent, pulls down 20 books and says, Mildred, probably should have told you we are in this together. I've been stealing books. So anyway, let's sit down, crisscross (laughs) applesauce. Let's read some books and get smart. And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, she was a little shocked, a little bit thrown off by that whole scheme. Can you imagine the balls on this guy? I should have told you this. It's a good chance we're going to get burnt alive. (laughs) Probably should have told you. (laughs) I would actually add a third point. It sounds like he's having some kind of a breakdown on the train. It seemed like some kind of a mental break. (laughs) Well, you know why I think it is? I think it's because he, the, the other thing that was briefly said is that he told Mildred anyway, that we are going to read these books, read these 20 books, and then we're going to burn them. Mm. And we're going to do it in 24 hours. And if you have ever crammed for an exam or tried to do anything (laughs) in 24 hours, I really think that's where the sieve part of this um, (laughs) section, it's like you are putting a lot of sand into this stupid little sieve on his head. And that sand is going to keep coming out because you can't read 20 books in a day. Well, but I think that's what the analogy was when he was a kid. Like he didn't, he doesn't understand how books work. You can't just read and memorize the Bible. So he's he's very naive when it comes to that. He thinks you just read it and it's in there. It's kind of sad. But uh, we'll see how he fares. Yeah. As we begin today's reading. Who is it? Montag out here. What do you want? Let me in. I haven't done anything. I'm alone, damn it. You swear it? I swear. So who is he talking to? It's it's not Beatty. No, it's he took the address from his what did he call it? The future investigation file. He took the yeah, address. That's right. So this must be Faber. The front door opened slowly. Faber peered out, looking very old in the light and very fragile and very much afraid. The old man looked as if he had not been out of the house in years. He and the white plaster walls inside were much the same. There was white in the flesh of his mouth and his cheeks, and his hair was white, and his eyes had faded, with white in the vague blueness there. Then his eyes touched the book under Montag's arm, and he did not look so old anymore, and not quite as fragile. Slowly his fear went. I'm sorry, one has to be careful. He looked at the book under Montag's arm and could not stop. So it's true. Montag stepped inside. The door shut. Sit down. Faber backed up as if he feared the book might vanish if he took his eyes from it. Behind him, the door to a bedroom stood open, and in that room, a litter of machinery and steel tools were strewn upon a desktop. Oh, is he, um, making? Wow, do you think he has like a little bookmaking circle? Maybe. Montag had only a glimpse before Faber, seeing Montag's attention diverted, turned quickly and shut the bedroom door and stood holding the knob with a trembling hand. 
His gaze returned unsteadily to Montag, who was now seated with the book in his lap. The book, where did you... I stole it. Faber, for the first time, raised his eyes and looked directly into Montag's face. You're brave. No, said Montag. My wife's dying. A friend of mine's already dead. Someone who may have been a friend was burnt less than 24 hours ago. You're the only one I know might help me to see, to see. Very interesting that he is even looking at that old lady as a potential friend. Like he has just, when he's into something, he's like your dad when your dad gets into <laughs> something and all of a sudden like he thinks he's going to get into bike riding and he has to have the whole tour to France, you know, outfit and the helmet and the two tight pants, that whole thing, right? Yeah. Montague is all in, man. I got I stole this. I knew his old lady. We burnt her. That was that was my bad. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he is now a book dude. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Faber's hands itched on his knees. May I? Sorry, Montag gave him the book. It's been a long time. I'm not a religious man, but it's been a long time. Faber turned the pages, stopping here and there to read. It's as good as I remember. Lord, how they've changed it in our, quote, parlors these days. Christ is one of the family now. Oh, so it's the Bible. That's right. That's the one he wanted to memorize. Does he mean then that now Christ is part of the relatives in the stupid TV show? He's on the walls saying nonsense. It's awesome. Christ is like Kramer. <laughs> hey. Hey. I got to feed the birds. So? You got any of those uh, mini Ritzes? <laughs> I often wonder if God recognizes his own son the way we've dressed him up. Or is it dressed him down? He's a regular peppermint stick now, all sugar crystal and saccharin, when he isn't making veiled references to certain commercial products that every worshiper absolutely needs. <laughs> so so Christ is now a pitch man. That's right. So cynical, isn't it? He's like a flex tape guy. Faber sniffed the book. Do you know that books smell like nutmeg or some spice from a foreign land? I loved to smell them when I was a boy. Lord, there were a lot of lovely books once. Before I let them go, Faber turned the pages. Mr. Montag, you are looking at a coward. I saw the way things were going a long time back. I said nothing. I'm one of the innocents who could have spoken up and out when no one would listen to the, quote, guilty. But I did not speak and thus became guilty myself. This is like totally referencing Nazi Germany, I think. I think he was heavily influenced I th by that. I think so, mm -hmm. too. And when finally they set the structure to burn the books, using the firemen, I grunted a few times and subsided, for there were no others grunting or yelling with me by then. Now it's too late. Faber closed the Bible. Well, suppose you tell me why you came here. Nobody listens anymore. I can't talk to the walls because they're yelling at me. I can't talk to my wife. She listens to the walls. I just want someone to hear what I have to say. And maybe if I talk long enough, it'll make sense. And I want you to teach me to understand what I read. Faber examined Montag's thin, blue-jowled face. How did you get shaken up? What knocked the torch out of your hands? I don't know. We have everything we need to be happy. But we aren't happy. Something's missing. I looked around. The only thing I positively knew was gone was the books I'd burned in 10 or 12 years. So I thought books might help. You're a hopeless romantic, said Faber. It would be funny if it were not serious. It's not books you need. It's some of the things that once were in books. 
The same things could be in the, quote, parlor families today. The same infinite detail and awareness could be projected through the radios and televisions, but are not. No, no, it's not books at all you're looking for. Take it where you can find it, in old phonograph records, old motion pictures, and in old friends. Look for it in nature and look for it in yourself. Okay, I like this because remember when I was having a hard time with the whole books make you ethical? I, I can get on board with this. It's not just books. It's all these things he mentioned. It's in uh, human creation, you know? Human expression um, is a better way to phrase that. Books were only one type of receptacle where we stored a lot of things we were afraid we might forget. There is nothing magical in them at all. The magic is only in what books say, how they stitched the patches of the universe together into one garment for us. Of course, you couldn't know this. Of course, you still can't understand what I mean when I say all this. You are intuitively right. That's what counts. Three things are missing. Number one, do you know why books such as this are important? Because they have quality. And what does the word quality mean? To me, it means texture. This book has pores. It has features. This book can go under the microscope. You'd find life under the glass, streaming past in infinite profusion. The more pores, the more truthfully recorded details of life per square inch you can get on a sheet of paper, the more literary you are. That's my definition anyway. Telling detail, fresh detail. The good writers touch life often. The mediocre ones run a quick hand over her. The bad ones rape her and leave her for the flies. So now do you see why books are hated and feared? They show the pores in the face of life. The comfortable people want only wax moon faces. Poreless, hairless, expressionless. We are living in a time when flowers are trying to live on flowers. Instead of growing on good rain and black loam. Even fireworks, for all their prettiness, come from the chemistry of the earth. Yet somehow we think we can grow, feeding on flowers and fireworks, without completing the cycle back to reality. Do you know the legend of Hercules and Antaeus, the giant wrestler, whose strength was incredible so long as he stood firmly on the earth? But when he was held, rootless in midair, by Hercules, he perished easily. If there isn't something in that legend for us today, in this city, in our time, then I am completely insane. Well, there we have the first thing I said we needed. Quality. Texture of information. And the second? Leisure. Oh, but we've plenty of off hours. Off hours, yes. But time to think? If you're not driving 100 miles an hour at a clip where you can't think of anything else but the danger, then you're playing some game or sitting in some room where you can't argue with the four-wall television. Why? The television is real. It is immediate. It has dimension. It tells you what to think and blasts it in. It must be right. It seems so right. It rushes on you so quickly to its own conclusions, your mind hasn't time to protest. What nonsense. Lack of critical thinking, right? Is that what? Right. Basically. Yeah, that's exactly mm -hmm. right. But I don't know. I know, but it, it's like this. Society 500 years from now, according to Ray Bradbury, must just be so beaten into submission yeah. that, hey- you got to get whatever that toothpaste Dentrif was. Denim dentrifice. How, how did I forget? We only <laughs> sang it a billion times. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that is the absolute truth and don't question it. Totally. What nonsense. Only the quote family is quote people. I beg pardon. My wife says books aren't quote real. 
Thank God for that. You can shut them. Say, hold on a moment. You play God to it. But who has ever torn himself from the claw that encloses you when you drop a seed in a TV parlor? It grows you any shape it wishes. It is an environment as real as the world. It becomes and is the truth. Books can be beaten down with reason. But with all my knowledge and skepticism, I have never been able to argue with a 100-piece symphony orchestra, full color, three dimensions, and being in and part of those incredible parlors. As you see, my parlor is nothing but four plaster walls. And here, he held out two small rubber plugs for my ears when I ride the subway jets. Oh, so <laughs> he's just, you know, he, he doesn't like the overstimulation of his senses. Denim's dentrifice. They toil not, neither do they spin, said Montag, eyes shut. Where do we go from here? Would books help us? Only if the third necessary thing could be given us. Number one, as I said, quality of information. Number two, leisure to digest it. And number three, the right to carry out actions based on what we learn from the interaction of the first two. And I hardly think a very old man and a fireman turned sour could do much this late in the game. I can get books. Ooh, is this going to be, is, is this going to be what he does? Maybe. I can get books. You're running a risk. That's the good part of dying. When you've nothing to lose, you run any risk you want. There, you've said an interesting thing, laughed Faber, without having read it. Are things like that in books? But it came off the top of my mind. All the better. You didn't fancy it up for me or anyone, even yourself. Montag leaned forward. This afternoon, I thought that if it turned out that books were worthwhile, we might get a press and print some extra copies. We? You and I. Oh, no. Faber sat up. But let me tell you my plan. If you insist on telling me, I must ask you to leave. But aren't you interested? Not if you start talking the sort of talk that might get me burnt for my trouble. The only way I could possibly listen to you would be if somehow the fireman structure itself could be burnt. Now, if you suggest that we print extra books and arrange to have them hidden in firemen's houses all over the country so that seeds of suspicion would be sown among those arsonists, bravo, I'd say. Now, that's that's thinking big, Faber. <laughs> I like that plan too. To sow confusion and a break, yeah. make a break in the dam, and um, get people to not like these people. Hi, I'm Dan, and my name's Jennifer, and we're from Bandcamp, a comedy podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. Season six of Bandcamp premieres on June 4th, and we picked a fantastic book for this season. And the name of the book is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Allier Science. It's our first contemporary book. It explores friendship and sexuality through the experiences of two Mexican-American teenagers living in El Paso in the 80s. If you are new to Bandcamp, each season we read an entire book. In each episode of that season, Jennifer reads the chapter out loud and we comment and try to have fun as we go. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. So please join us as we try and figure out why Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe could have ever been banned. But I bet we're not going to find anything because banning books is stupid. Season 6 premieres on June 4th. See you there. Right, and stir things up. 
quite a bit, I think. Plant the books. Turn in an alarm and see the fireman's house is burned. Is that what you mean? Faber raised his brows and looked at Montag as if he were seeing a new man. I was joking. If you thought it would be a plan worth trying, I'd have to take your word it would help. You can't guarantee things like that. After all, when we had all the books we needed, we still insisted on finding the highest cliff to jump off. But we do need a breather. We do need knowledge. And perhaps in a thousand years, we might pick smaller cliffs to jump off. The books are to remind us what asses and fools we are. They're Caesar's Praetorian Guard, whispering as the parade roars down the avenue. Remember, Caesar, thou art mortal. Most of us can't rush around, talk to everyone, know all the cities of the world. We haven't time, money, or that many friends. The things you're looking for, Montag, are in the world. But the only way the average chap will ever see 99% of them is in a book. Don't ask for guarantees. And don't look to be saved in any one thing, person, machine, or library. Do your own bit of saving. And if you drown, at least die knowing you were headed for shore. Faber got up and began to pace the room. Well, asked Montag, you're absolutely serious. Absolutely. It's an insidious plan, if I do say so myself. Faber glanced nervously at his bedroom door. To see the firehouses burn across the land, destroyed as hotbeds of treason. The salamander devours his tail. Oh, God. Love it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I have a list of firemen's residences everywhere with some sort of underground. Can't trust people. Not that I've been thinking about it, though. <laughs> I didn't really put any thought about this, but he pulls out a big map. <laughs> Can't trust people. That's the dirty part. You and I and who else will set the fires? Aren't there professors like yourself? former writers, historians, linguists, dead or ancient. The older, the better. They'll go unnoticed. You know dozens. Admit it. Oh, there are many actors alone who haven't acted Perundello or Shaw or Shakespeare for years because their plays are too aware of the world. We could use their anger, and we could use the honest rage of those historians who haven't written a line for 40 years. True, we might form classes in thinking and reading. Yes, but what would just nibble the edges? The whole culture is shot through. The skeleton needs melting and reshaping. Good God, it isn't as simple as just picking up a book you laid down half a century ago. Remember, the firemen are rarely necessary. The public itself stopped reading of its own accord. You firemen provide a circus now and then at which buildings are set off and crowds gather for the pretty blaze. But it's a small sideshow indeed, and hardly necessary to keep things in line. Oh, so it's getting to the point where the people are censoring themselves. You know, they're just. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to read. How Beatty made it sound is that people started to just want the easy win. They want the easy life. They don't want to think. Yeah. But do you trust what Beatty says? 100%. He's a happiness boy. He's a Dixie <laughs> duo. What are you talking about, Jennifer? Maybe people are just told that, you know, oh, maybe. books don't agree wow. with each other and they're trouble and we all just want to be happy. Maybe something will come into focus here. All right, so where were we here? So few want to be rebels anymore. And out of those few, most, like myself, scare easily. Can you dance faster than the white clown? Shout louder than, quote, Mr. Gimmick and the parlor, quote, families? If you can, you'll win your way, Montag. Any event, you're a fool. People are having fun. Committing suicide? Murdering? A bomber jet had 
been moving east all the time they talked, and only now did the two men stop and listen, feeling the great jet sound tremble inside themselves. Patience, Montag. Let the war turn off the, quote, families. Our civilization is flinging itself to pieces. Stand back from the centrifuge. There has to be someone ready when it blows up. What? Men quoting Milton? Saying, I remember Sophocles? Reminding the survivors that man has his good side too? They will only gather up their stones to hurl at each other. Montag, go home. Go to bed. Why waste your final hours racing about your cage denying you're a squirrel? Then you don't care anymore. I care so much I'm sick. And you won't help me? Good night. Montag's hands picked up the Bible. He saw what his hands had done, and he looked surprised. Would you like to own this? Faber said, I'd give my right arm. Montag stood there and waited for the next thing to happen. His hands, by themselves, like two men working together, began to rip the pages from the book. The hands tore the flyleaf, and then the first, and then the second page. Idiot, what are you doing? Faber sprung up, as if he had been struck. He fell against Montag. Montag warded him off and let his hands continue. Six more pages fell to the floor. He picked them up and wadded the paper under Faber's gaze. Don't, oh, don't, said the old man. Who can stop me? I'm a fireman. I can burn you. The old man stood looking at him. You wouldn't. I could. The book, don't tear it anymore. Faber sank into a chair, his face very white, his mouth trembling. Don't make me feel any more tired. What do you want? I need you to teach me. All right, all right. Montag put the book down. He began to unwad the crumbled paper and flatten it out as the old man watched tiredly. Faber shook his head as if he were waking up. Montag, have you any money? Some, four or five hundred dollars. Why? Bring it. I know a man who printed our college paper half a century ago. That was the year I came to class at the start of the new semester and found only one student to sign up for drama. You see? How like a beautiful statue of ice it was, melting in the sun. I remember the newspapers dying like huge moths. No one wanted them back. No one missed them. And then the government, seeing how advantageous it was to have people reading only about passionate lips and the fist in the stomach, circled the situation with your fire eaters. So, Montag, there's this unemployed printer. We might start a few books and wait on the war to break the pattern and give us the push we need. A few bombs and the, quote, families in the walls of those houses, like harlequin rats, will shut up. In the silence, our stage whisper might carry. Hmm. It's not a bad plan. I wouldn't even think that the parlors would be shut off for war. Well, it wouldn't happen today. I, I mean, can you imagine if if there were three walls or four walls around you and they all have like Fox or CNN or MSNBC? Yeah. You imagine the on-screen graphics? Yeah, I know. They'd be like six feet tall. That's right. Breaking. <laughs> they both stood looking at the book on the table. I've tried to remember, said Montag, but hell... It's gone when I turn my head. God, how I want something to say to the captain. He's read enough so he has all the answers, or seems to have. His voice is like butter. I'm afraid he'll talk me back the way I was. Only a week ago, pumping a kerosene hose, I thought, God, what fun. The old man nodded. Those who don't build must burn. It's as old as history and juvenile delinquents. Hmm, that's kind of an interesting quote. So that's what I am. There's some of it in all of us. Montag moved toward the front door. 
Can you help me in any way tonight with the fire, Captain? I need an umbrella to keep off the rain. I'm so damned afraid I'll drown if he gets me again. The old man said nothing, but glanced once more, nervously, at his bedroom. Montag caught the glance. Well, the old man took a deep breath, held it, and let it out. He took another, eyes closed, his mouth tight, and at last exhaled. Montag. The old man turned at last and said, Come along. I would actually have let you walk right out of my house. I am a cowardly old fool. Faber opened the bedroom door and led Montag into a small chamber where stood a table, upon which a number of metal tools lay among a welter of microscopic wire hairs, tiny coils, bobbins, and crystals. What's this? asked Montag. Proof of my terrible cowardice. I've lived alone so many years, throwing images on walls with my imagination. Fiddling with electronics, radio transmission, has been my hobby. My cowardice is of such a passion, complementing the revolutionary spirit that lives in its shadow. I was forced to design this. He picked up a small green metal object no larger than a twenty-two bullet. I paid for all this. How? Playing the stock market, of course. The last refuge in the world for the dangerous intellectual out of a job. Well, I played the market and built all this, and I've waited. I've waited. Trembling. Half a lifetime for someone to speak to me. I dared speak to no one. That day in the park when we sat together, I knew that someday you might drop by. With fire or friendship, it was hard to guess. I've had this little item ready for months, but I almost let you go. I'm that afraid. It looks like a seashell radio. And something more. It listens. If you put it in your ear, Montag, I can sit comfortably home, warming my frightened bones, and hear and analyze the fireman's world. Find its weaknesses without danger. I'm the queen bee safe in the hive. You will be the drone, the traveling ear. Eventually, I could put out ears into all parts of the city with various men, listening and evaluating. If the drones die, I'm still safe at home, tending my fright with a maximum of comfort and a minimum of chance. See how safe I play it? How contemptible I am? Well, you are definitely a coward. <laughs> I get it. So he is, is, it is kind of like a, an AirPod. Ray Bradbury, author and future teller. You know, you can listen and you can talk into it. Montague's going to go strapped up with a microphone and Faber's going to sit at home listening. Montag placed the green bullet in his ear. The old man inserted a similar object in his own ear and moved his lips. Montag. The voice was in Montag's head. I hear you. The old man laughed. You're coming over fine too, Faber whispered, but the voice in Montag's head was clear. Go to the firehouse when it's time. I'll be with you. Let's listen to this Captain Beatty together. He could be one of us. God knows. I'll give you things to say. We'll give him a good show. Do you hate me for this electronic cowardice of mine? Here I am sending you out into the night. While I stay behind the lines with my damned ears listening for you to get your head chopped off. We all do what we do, said Montag. He put the Bible in the old man's hands. Here, I'll chance turning into a substitute. Tomorrow, I'll see the unemployed printer. Yes, that much I can do. Good night, Professor. Not good night. I'll be with you the rest of the night. A vinegar gnat tickling your ear when you need me. But good night and good luck anyway. The door opened and shut. Montag was in the dark street again, looking at the world. End of passage. Boy, I would have never thought 
that Beatty could be a good guy. Yeah, me too. I always did suspect that he was smarter and that he did read books. He's either really, really evil or, or he's, you know, really good. What if he brings a fireman down? That would be great. Wow. Yeah. It's time for PPP, problematic points to ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? Dan, in that last section, did you find anything banworthy why this book might have been banned? I can't find anything in our timeline that would make it banworthy. But I could imagine if I was a government official in Montague's current timeline i'd be like yeah this is pretty man worthy let's uh, nip this in the friggin bud well yeah of course but um i know this was a banned book but where and when it makes me wonder like wait i should know that you know if, if this book's gonna be featured on the show but oh that's gonna help when and where could you find it oh it <laughs> it was 1987 and guess where it was <laughs> Florida. Florida. Of course. But where else was it? Florida and... Texas. Yes. Florida and Texas. Of course. It's hilarious. It's no longer banned currently. (laughs) Yeah. We... Excessive vulgarity. Where... Where is any... Where is the vulgarity been in this book? (laughs) I don't know. Huh. Maybe it's coming. Maybe it's coming. Oh. (laughs) I hope Mildred tells Montague to... Go F yourself. I mean, possibly, but this is interesting. It was it was actually edited and blacked out in Irvine, California. Uh, they took out the profanity. It was blacked out. And it was said to be anti-Christian. So Irvine, California, of course, is Orange County, uh, which traditionally has been heavily Republican. Again, we're the snowflakes. We can't handle it. Yeah. Hmm. Anti-Christian. That's, That's what you just said. Yeah, they a... said it was anti-Christian. I, I believe the opposite. Like we talked about in this episode, Jesus is a big part of it. He's pitching flex seal tape and uh, <laughs> dental floss or whatever. Blasphemy. From Ben Worthy to Binge Worthy. Jennifer, I love this podcast. It's called Good People, Cool Things. It's hosted by Joey Held. And all I can tell you is this podcast is all over the place. And I mean that in a good way. Have you ever wondered the inspiration behind board games like Outburst and Taboo? Or maybe you have a fascination with the supernatural, like how come ghosts never have feet? Maybe you want to know what it's like to work as a wig master on Broadway. We're figuring out the answers to all of these and so much more on Good People, Cool Things, hosted by me, Joey Held, a writer, podcaster, and guy with a soothing voice. And as a bonus, every episode ends with a corny joke. Listen at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And now let's get back to it. Joey Held, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, and speaking of our podcast, you think our podcast is getting good now? Yeah, totally. It's like turning into action. The caper. I love it. Awesome stuff. I cannot wait for the next episode. Thank you for listening. Please share if you like it. If not, don't share it. Keep listening, though. Helps our downloads. We will see you next time on Bandcamp. See you next time. <laughs>